From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Michelle Cordero. And I'm Emily Vanderbush. And this is a special edition of Mass Ave. President Trump's latest budget includes a proposal to give families six weeks of paid leave after the birth or adoption of a child. Meanwhile, we're also seeing more and more states enacting paid family leave programs. At first, especially as a woman and a mom, this sounds like a win for American families. But there's another side to this story that the mainstream media is not going to tell you. Today, we're going to explain at least three reasons why it would be a bad idea for the government to force employers to pay for family leave. We sat down with Rachel Gresler, a research fellow in the Heritage Foundation Center for Data Analysis, to help us break it down. Hi, Rachel. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about the history around paid family leave in the United States? Sure. So as women entered the workforce in increasing numbers throughout the past decades, um, starting in 1993, there was a Family Medical Leave Act policy that said that any employer who has 50 or more employees must provide them with at least 12 weeks of unpaid leave. Um, And so that is something that is on the books right now, and anybody can take that unpaid leave. And additionally, a lot of employers that have fewer than 50 still will provide that leave as an option, and some of them provide it paid. Now, millions of our people will no longer have to choose between their jobs and their families. The law guarantees the right of up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave per year when it's urgently needed at home to care for a newborn child or an ill family member. This bill will strengthen our families, and I believe it will strengthen our businesses and our economy as well. Michelle here. Okay, so that was under President Clinton, right? Right. Okay, then why are we always hearing that we're the only country without a paid family leave policy? Because we technically are. (laughs) This was just an unpaid leave policy. But as a result of that, we have a lot of statistics that show about one-third of workers do have access to paid family leave. Rachel explained a little bit more about the argument that we must be wrong because we're the only country without a federal paid leave policy. Yes, I think we need to evaluate whether this would be a good thing for the U.S. based on the economics and the merits of it, as opposed to just, we're the only one not doing it, let's Mm -hmm. jump in. Um, Certainly, if you look broadly at the economic statistics, the U.S. tends to have higher growth than some of these countries. We have more open and free labor markets, which is a really important component, I think, especially from my own perspective as a woman in the labor market. I want to have the freedom to negotiate terms of employment with an employer instead of having one-size-fits-all policies that if you look abroad, that tends to be what they have there. When you implement all these rules and requirements on employers, they have to then have a one-size-fits-all program that doesn't necessarily meet the needs of everybody. And so looking to the United States, what are some of the proposals that are on the table, maybe ranging from more of the conservative mm-hmm. slash moderate to the the liberal, the very liberal approach mm-hmm. to it. So the furthest liberal approach would be to just pay for, you know, at least 12 weeks of paid leave. Some people would want to pay for a full year of paid leave. And that's what we have seen in some other countries that the federal government taxpayers just step in and then they provide any person who has or who adopts a child, man or woman, sometimes even grandparents oh, wow. with up to a year of leave that is covered by taxpayers. Um, and then you can move down the spectrum and kind of at the further And a more conservative approach or something that the administration has looked at is to provide up to six weeks of paid leave, but this would be 
limited paid leave, about 60% of the median wage in the U.S., to run this through the state's programs, their unemployment insurance programs. And so the cost would not be 100% on federal taxpayers. Some of it would be on employers. Some of it would be on the state governments themselves. But that would be a more limited paid leave program. But of course, the fear there, and as we've seen, even as they rolled that proposal out, it was attacked as being insufficient and, you know, not providing enough. And so certainly along the lines, it would continue to expand over time and you would probably move towards a broader leave program, more benefits open to more individuals and more costly to taxpayers. So, Rachel, that being said, if you were to give us three reasons why paid leave should be left to employers and the states, where would you start? So the first reason is just the effect that it has on existing employers. We've already seen big growth in the number of employers that are providing paid leave on their own. And when an employer does that, they shift those costs to their own workers, potentially to their own customers through higher prices. But that's good to keep it within the context of the company that is providing the paid leave to its own workers. If you have a federal policy, you immediately provide windfall benefits for any employer that already has a plan because now instead of paying it for themselves, it's taxpayers that are going to pay for it. And you also discourage any company that doesn't offer a plan from starting their own because why would they provide it at their own cost if they could instead use a federal program that shifts it on to taxpayers? And that actually can be disadvantageous for a lot of workers because the federal program, at least in the beginning, would likely be less generous than a lot of the pr- programs that are provided by the employers themselves. You know, it'd be limited to six weeks, limited in the dollar amount that you can claim. And so it could end up being lower benefits for those workers. The second reason not to do a national program is that it would likely explode in costs over time. Just as we've seen with Medicare, Social Security, disability insurance, these programs initially are meant to target a small population. They're meant to be anti-poverty programs for people who particularly need a benefit. And that's the case being made now that we want to give access to paid family leave to lower wage workers who don't have access to it. But over time, they expand. And we've already seen in states like California that have implemented a program. Initially, it was about a 50% benefit just for parents. Now it's moved up to a 70% benefit. It's available to grandparents, siblings, parent-in-laws. And so over time, it just spirals in costs. But also, as these government programs grow in size, they don't serve the people as well. And so anybody that's on Social Security's disability insurance program would not tell you that that is a great process for them to have gotten on the benefits or that the benefits are meeting their needs, including the medical component to it. And so you end up with a subpar program and benefit for people as opposed to if this were just left to the employers themselves to provide. And so the other, the final point here is that by establishing a national policy, we are inherently saying if that policy is only available to working women, that we support all women working and that's the decision that women should make and we will pay them to stay home with their children, but we won't pay those parents who already stay at home with their children. They have no benefit to having children, you know, no monetary benefits that taxpayers are providing them with. And so it kind of ingrains into our government that one choice or another is better. You know, on the other hand, you could subsidize people who stay at home um, and give the same credit to parents as non-parents, but then you're also creating windfall benefits and you're saying that it's, you know, the action, this is something you should do, a social action that we want you to do, we're going to pay you for it. And that's not something that the government should be involved in. Michelle here. 
So what about the argument that lawmakers were against the Family Medical Leave Act in 1993, claiming that it would do these same things and studies have proved that it hasn't? Yeah, so again, the Family Medical Leave Act was just the requirement that there be unpaid leave. Today's proposals are actually requesting paid leave. Rachel talked a little bit more about some of the negative impacts that has been recorded in some of the countries that have implemented these policies, and it's pretty interesting. While there were some surveys that showed this had no negative impact for the people to leave their jobs for a certain period of time, there have been other studies in other countries that showed there actually are big negative impacts. There was a study of nurses in Denmark, and when they were given a year of paid leave, it actually had serious negative impacts on patients as a result of having to bring in temporary workers that didn't know the job as well, that weren't able to perform at the same level. And so it's not only an issue of the cost, but also for the company of not having that person that is a valuable employee there and doing their job and having to fill that with either temporary employees or with other workers. And one thing that I've experienced personally from taking family paid leave or unpaid leave is it's good to have the ability to kind of keep your foot in the door and you can answer pertinent emails or phone calls and choose when not to. But if you were under a paid family leave policy, you would probably be prohibited from doing that because the government would be the one cutting a paycheck. And so your employer could not contact you in any way, because if the government were cutting you a check and you're also doing work, it's really like the government is subsidizing your employer and paying your paycheck. And so almost certainly there would be some prohibition there. And that's something that would not advantage women. You know, studies have shown that while there are some benefits to these paid leave policies, one disadvantage of them for women is that those who take paid leave tend to not move up as quickly or not to be offered promotions. And so policies that allow employers and workers to work out the benefits and the terms of their leave on their own tend to be more advantageous for both than those that say, here is one national policy that everyone must follow. Those are some really interesting statistics and honestly some arguments I'd never thought of against paid family leave programs. So if we're looking at the conservative perspective on paid family leave, how would you summarize that? Like what is a conservative mm-hmm. solution to, you know, some of the problems that people do raise as reasons to I think we definitely paid Family leave is a good thing for Mm. workers. It's often a good thing for employers, and we certainly want to encourage companies to offer that. But the way that that should come is through the desire of the employees themselves to have and for them to demand this as part of their compensation and not just a top-down policy that says you must do this. There are also ways that the government can help make paid leave possible by getting rid of cost regulations so that it frees up more money within companies. It's something that costs them a lot of money before to follow. Now they don't have to do that and they can take that money and shift it towards their workers in the form of paid leave. Um, Also, the tax cut bill was one step in the right direction. You know, instead of talking about ways that reduce the costs of taking leave or making it so that families can't afford to, that tax bill put a lot of money back in families' pockets. And in particular, the child tax credit provided a direct benefit of having children. So any tax policy that increases workers' take-home pay is something that will help them have more money and better be able to take leave when they would like to do so. Well, I think that covers all the questions. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Mass Ave. If you like today's podcast, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can leave us a comment on Facebook and let us know what you think. And be sure to tune in next week where we're going to talk a little bit more about Bitcoin. Bitcoin.